Welcome to Families for Life with Brian and Brian, a podcast of Oak Hill Baptist Church. On today's episode, we're doing our Hard Talk series, part five, sex. Welcome back. Welcome back, listeners. Brian, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Brian. It's good to be here talking about these hard talks. Uh, This is kind of interesting, though, because we're doing this episode first, but it's coming out recording it first much later. And so uh, it's okay. Just act like act professional. Act like. No, already I don't do that. I don't do that. I, I'm real all the way, raw. So, uh, but we're gonna we're gonna have a good conversation uh, about things. We need to tell parents like, hey, this episode's about about sex. Okay, so if you listen to this podcast with your kids, just know we are gonna be talking about some things that uh, maybe you want to listen to this yeah, episode first. It'll be yeah, it'll be appropriate. Yes, and not yes. graphic, but definitely right. <laughs> mature topics. Yeah. Right, exactly. So everything going good in your world? Yeah, it's going really good. We uh, we have our baby, and so uh, we'll talk about that in other sure. episodes, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, life is crazy as always, but it's crazy good, and so you just got to keep looking at your blessings. Got Count your many going. blessings. That's right. right. Yeah. So how about you, man? Doing well. Yeah, doing well. Ready to get going. For all of our listeners, if you are on um, whatever app you're on, go ahead and subscribe. Give us a review. uh, Share with your friends. Email us. You can email your feedback at f4l at oakhillbc.org. Uh, let us know that you're out there listening. We appreciate everybody listening to our podcast, especially our church family. But, yeah, absolutely. But anyone that's mm-hmm. listening. Yep. And so today on our Hard Talk series, we have a special guest. Yes, we do. He's been here this whole time, and his name is Matt Higgins. Yeah, I've been hiding in quiet, I've been, like <laughs> hiding in a hobbit hole somewhere. But, but yeah. Matt Higgins is our good friend. He's a pastor at Northwoods Church here locally. And we like each other. Yes. We do. We, we do. do. We do. It's not like there's a, a rivalry between right. us as Southern Baptist churches. <laughs> it's, it's We always need to make sure that people know that. Like, you know, sometimes people think churches are against each other, and maybe that is the case some places, but we should be, you know, sisters. Like, ch- yeah. churches should join together. In, uh, no, I love the these guys. I mean, every time I see them, I mean... I, I just run up to you guys and give you a holy kiss, and that's you know super that's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> if you've ever seen us in public, then uh, yeah, no, we see them at Azip all the time. That's yeah, where, yeah that's, that's true. That's the, that's, yeah, the that's the place. Yeah, if, if people don't know, like pastor secrets, like we go to, go to lunch a lot, and so um, <laughs> we just run into each other at lunch, like all the time. All the time. That's true. All the time. All the time. Yeah, it's good. So yeah, tell us a little it. about yourself. Yeah. So uh, I. Uh, I ran away from the Lord's calling for a long time. I worked in government for 12 years in local government. I worked in Massachusetts for a long time. Um, originally from Virginia, uh, surrendered to the Lord's calling in my 30s. Uh, went to Southwestern Seminary and got my MDiv and uh, pastored a church in Martinsville, which is just south of Indy, for about five years. And then uh, when I was up in Indy, I met a dude named Bobby Pell. And he, when he came back down to Evansville to Northwoods, he asked me if I wanted to be a student minister. And so I did that for six years. I did students and kids um, at Northwoods for six years. And then uh, transitioned in the last couple months to worship pastor. Wow. And so... He can do, do anything. He can do it all. <laughs> <laughs> the the triple, question is, yeah, that's preach, right. sing, <laughs> preach and sing. Um, you know, 
there's there's questions about the ability to do all those things, but, <laughs> <laughs> but can't. Yeah. 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 Well, great. So you, so on our topic today, you have uh, also, you've done counseling. Yeah. yeah. I, well. I'm also a certified biblical counselor through the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, had certification uh, for about three years and I'm working on my doctorate in biblical counseling at Southern Seminary right now as well. I'm glad you switched from Southwestern to Southern. That's the, 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 <laughs> the Southern Baptist. The, the Southern, Southern Baptist. Baptist yeah. We are both alumni of, of SBTS. So. Yeah. Awesome. It's Let's annoying. Go. Super annoying. <laughs> we are SBTS alumni are the most annoying alumni. So yeah, there's not like a secret hand signal or anything like that. But. Not yet. You'll find out. <laughs> you got to wait till you graduate. When I graduate, yeah. when they hand me the piece of paper. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm super excited because today uh, we're talking about sex, and I, I think you're going to have a really good perspective with your counseling and student ministry background. I also have a 16-year-old. Yes, yes, exactly. Yes, you have a teenager. Yeah, so. that's what I love about this. And Brian, you know, we I'm sure in our other episodes, we've been talking about this. Like, you guys especially, like, I'm, I'm still learning this stuff. So I love, like, hearing from you guys because you have kids who are teenagers. And Brian, you got younger kids still. And so it's just really good to hear theological perspectives being put into practice yeah. and that's that's what i love so yeah. i'm excited to have this conversation yeah and we've both been around youth ministry as course, well so course, yeah. we've got some experience here so on the outset i think it's helpful for listeners to understand our biblical view of sex you know because there is so much confusion in this world yeah. and it is yeah. we want to kind of outlay some of the basic things that that we believe yeah and uh, yeah we can't take this stuff for granted like right. you just can't think like yeah people actually know this because because some people just literally don't know what the bible actually says about any of this stuff. right so this is a christian biblical perspective that that we hold to so number one, we would say that God created two genders, which are assigned at birth and cannot be changed. So you look to the, the Genesis account, Genesis 1, 27, uh, Deuteronomy 22, 5, which is some of the law that talks about mm-hmm. um, transgenderism and things like that. So. Right. Yeah. Uh, God is the one who created sex. So it's important for Christians to recognize that God invented this. So we're not going to talk about sex as if it's all bad or something. Right. We're going to talk about the way God intended it because he invented it. Right. Look at Genesis one twenty three, Genesis two twenty four. It's right there mm-hmm. and it's good, you know. Yeah. So we're gonna keep talking we're gonna talk about it. Yeah, we also understand that sex is for married couples, a husband and a wife, uh, who are joined together in in marriage, uh, Hebrews thirteen, four, first Corinthians seven, three through five. So we understand that sex is to be enjoyed and to be uh you know, invested in, in a married relationship. Right. Yeah, that's right. And it also, there's a reason, there's a purpose for it. He created it for procreation, for, for being fruitful and multiplying, right? For unity and also for pleasure. So all of these things are true. I've seen arguments about like, what's the most important thing, you know, behind sex. And it's like, well, they're kind of all important. They're all, Mm -hmm. that's, those are the reasons why God created it in the context of marriage. You see again, Genesis one and Genesis two. Yeah. And finally, God created marriage to bring him glory by uniting one man and one woman. So I think we have to understand that uh, when we are joined together in marriage, when we are fulfilling uh, these purposes, we are bringing glory to God. And so I think that's really important for us. To say. Was there anything you would want to add to that or you feel feel like that's a pretty succinct list? I think it's a good list. I think the important thing for parents to understand, especially when we're teaching our, our kids and our teenagers, is that Genesis 1 and 2 declares all things good. Everything mm-hmm. that God was made 
uh, made was good or very right. good. And especially, you know, the first command that God gives to people is to be fruitful and multiply, right. which is to engage in the sexual activity. They're not going to be fruitful and multiply by osmosis. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this is the designated way that, that God has uh, given us to fulfill the creation mandate, to yeah. fulfill, uh, to subdue the earth and, and fill it. And uh, it is good. I think a mistake that parents often make is either not talking about it or saying sex is bad. Yeah. Right. Right. And I, I think we need to differentiate good sex from bad sex and good yeah. sex. I think it's good to, to say to teenagers, especially sex in the confines of marriage is good. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's a healthy thing and you should aspire for that. What you don't want to do is what is a perversion of what God intended. Right. And that's, and that's what, that's what I wanted mm -hmm. to talk about is that sex has been corrupted by the fall. Yeah. And it's been perverted by Satan. It's been appropriated by the world. And so it, it, it's where they've taken what the goodness, the, the good thing that God has made, and they've twisted it and changed it to something sinful. Yeah. And that's where a lot of Christians um, see that part of it, and mm -hmm. then they just kind of mm -hmm. throw the whole baby out with the bathwater. Right. Know? And that's the thing is, like, it. there is a reason why people would say sex is bad, but but we're not seeing the full picture. And especially when you're talking to, you know, a, a child, if that's the only thing they hear, then they're not hearing the original design. And I think that's exactly what you were saying, Matt. Like we've got to make sure they hear the whole truth. I mean, there's, there's more than just sex is bad or there's more than just sex is good. Mm -hmm. There is this whole truth of sex is good in its intended creation order and it's bad when you do it the way yeah. God hasn't designed it. You well, know? And, and I get it why parents say sex is bad. It's just kind of a knee-jerk thing. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's easier just to say all of this in this realm is bad mm. versus having a nuanced type of uh, yeah. explanation of the Bible. But I think it's important that we have the nuanced explanation versus the yeah. knee-jerk just saying, just don't do it. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. an easy way out. Yeah. Well, there's all kinds of confusion. Uh, what about the Christian parent that wants to try to navigate these topics? I mean, what... What does this mean for them? Yeah, well, man, this is really, this is where, first of all, like, this is why these are hard talks, mm. because because <laughs> it's hard. It's difficult to do this this sort of thing. Like what you were saying, Matt, it, it's not just an easy conversation where you're like, this is bad, or or this is good. It's, you have to know that this is going to be difficult, and so you have to be paying attention to the culture, I mm -hmm. think. You've got to keep your eyes open, and you cannot learn from your kids what culture is saying you've got to figure it out on your own because yeah. because if you're learning from your kids what culture is saying then you're already behind the eight ball like you're already having to catch up to them and there's a ton of stuff out there to help us see what's going on in culture um and i'm telling you culture's not hiding it yeah no. you shared an article did you want to say something i'm sorry no go ahead well you shared an article on your facebook yeah uh from uh, VigilantCitizen.com, and we can post the link in the show notes. But it's about this show on HBO called Euphoria. Euphoria. Tell yeah. us a little about that article, man. I uh, <laughs> I'm not going to go into the to too much of it because it is so. The article itself is disturbing, yeah. and this article is against the show because essentially it's talking about how even in the show you see grooming tactics, and really they're just trying to point out the grooming tactics involved in this extremely popular t 
TV show. Have you heard about this show, Matt? Well, uh, I have a story about this, actually, that my uh, my daughter recently asked me if she could watch it oh, because yeah. all of her friends have seen yes. it. And so I actually watched the first ep- three episodes of the show. Oh, wow. And so I have some perspective and thoughts on it, <laughs> of, of course, for, from watching it. And, and parents, I actually think that if your kids are interested in watching the show – Maybe you should watch it and see what it's all about yeah. from the perspective of uh, seeing what the message is. Because uh, I'll, I'll let Brian share the article first, but he's right that part of the process of euphoria is showing that this is the normative behavior of, mm-hmm. of kids. Right. So, yeah, that's that's a lot of it. It's trying to to say this is what it's like to be a kid nowadays. And and if you're not doing this, then you're not normal. Um, and that's where, that's where we have to go. Whoa. And, and here's the problem. There's two problems. One that might be a little bit true, which is the, the stuff that they're saying is normal is, is this is what no parent wants for their kids. Okay. And then the other problem is for most kids, it's not true. Like a lot of kids don't experience this, but then they watch this TV show and they're exposed to things that maybe they're not normally exposed to. And they're like, well, I guess I better do this now. Yeah, and, and everything under the sun is on there. And yeah. uh, the the quote that really stuck out to me is like, it's a show where there's a narrator, and the yeah. narrator is uh, giving their perspective on the events of the TV show. And the lead character, played by Zendaya, her name is Rue, and she says at some point when uh, these kids are showing or sharing nudes of this particular girl that have been sent by text. And it's all these boys that are on this couch and they're looking at these nude pictures of this girl. uh, And the, the scene pauses and the narrator comes on and she says this, I know your generation relied on flowers and your father's permission, but it's 2019. And unless you're Amish nudes are the currency of love. Stop shaming us. Shame the dudes who create password protected online directories of naked underage girls. And the narrator is speaking to the audience, saying, yeah. Yeah. this is normal for how kids operate. Yeah. And if you watch the first couple episodes, you would see just them trying to portray deviant behavior yeah. or, or behavior that God has not ordained, whether it's tender culture mm-hmm. or uh, casual hookups or party culture or drug use. I mean, yeah. it's just saying this is well, just a part of the teenage experience. And, and my, my interaction with that, with that statement that was made by the narrator is like, I have the ability to shame all of it. Right. Like I don't need, I don't need to, you know, categorize or compartmentalize my, my um, ability to recognize sin. Mm -hmm. It's all sin. Like what you're doing is sin, what they're doing, you know, these people who are like what she's saying about the people who create these, these ways for, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I can shame them too, and I can say what you're doing is sinful. I can say it all because I can look at my own self and say what I've done is sinful. Like I'm capable of recognizing sin because I'm trying to see I'm trying to see the world mm-hmm. through God's perspective, mm-hmm. and yeah. so so I don't need to think that way. Well, it's all kind of the outgrowth of years and years and years of uh, of relativism, moral moral relativism, and postmodernism, and I think a lot of our kids would actually agree with the core principle behind it, which is that one person doesn't have the moral right to tell me what to do and how to behave. Right. That all morality is relative to my perspective mm-hmm. and what I've experienced. You can't tell me what to do and how to live, and we we need to correct that. That we do have a creator that 
has shown us how That's to right. live and mm-hmm. has a good way to live. And, yeah. and we experience blessing because of doing what he says and, and living how he wants us to live. Yeah. And this show, it, it, this show is a, in a long line of, of shows that are of the culture trying to, um, you know, ch- change thinking and, and challenge, you know, normalize these types of things. So That's right. it's not necessarily that we're just picking this one right, show right. out as something terrible. It is terrible, but there are lots of things out it's there. It's not the only one. And our teenagers sure. are, are watching this, but this gives us a window into the kind of things that teenagers are are seeing and thinking about very early on. And so I think parents have to understand that these conversations are happening whether – they know it or not. Yeah. And so I think we have to be aware of these things. I think the one thing that euphoria does get right relatively is that the dangers of the generation Z is not the dangers of generation X, Mm. our generation that is raising kids that kids are, kids are having sex much, much less. Um, There's much less premarital sex going on. And that's really from the phenomenon of people interact virtually more and more and more. Mm. The real dangers that are out there for kids nowadays aren't just hookup culture. It is sexting. It is send nudes uh, type culture. It's pornography. Mm. Uh, And that's all portrayed in euphoria uh, probably a little too accurately. That's what's going on in a lot of our kids. I mean, the number of kids that I've dealt with that have uh, been sexting with one another, I mean, it's just outrageous. It's absolutely outrageous. Christian kids. Another thing that we see in our culture and I thought was interesting because it's sort of the product after kids are grown Mm -hmm. is this idea of cohabitation. There are many uh, kids in their 20s that end up living together and it's not a big deal. But I thought this was an interesting article. It came through as picked up by the Wall Street Journal and it was said too risky to wed in your 20s, not if you avoid cohabitating first. And I thought that was interesting because basically it says you should not get married in your 20s because if you do, there's a high divorce rate, very high divorce rate for people married in their 20s. However, except the exception is for couples that have chosen not to cohabitate, they have some of the lowest divorce rates. Yeah. And I thought this was interesting because this does speak to uh, to the sex issue because couples that cohabitate, you know, we don't. We're not thinking they're like, um, you know, Richie and Chachi on the bed with their foot. I don't know if you remember that episode growing up, but Mm-mm. the episode of Happy Days where they had to sleep in a hotel room together. <laughs> no. But they want, they kept one foot on the ground on each no. side of the bed. Oh, you that's know? funny. That's we don't, hilarious. We know couples aren't doing that who are cohabitating. And so um, this does speak to the, the sex issue. But what would um, – it's interesting. This study would confirm something that, that we already know. Yeah. And I think that that speaks to the, it's always funny when the world finds something out that we would think, oh, biblically, this is how God would want us to live. I think that speaks to the blindness of of the culture. Mm. You know, we know that ultimately, like the worldly culture is is being uh, manipulated by by the enemy, by Mm. Satan. You know, we know that the Bible speaks about these things. Um, there's the prince of the power of the air and, and the powers and the rulers and the authorities. And so we know that these all of these things in the world are ultimately being manipulated. You know, I like to th- say people are like, oh, there's a conspiracy. And I'm like, yeah, there is. And the one behind it is the devil. Like, mm-hmm. um, there is a conspiracy. Um, and, and he is going to use all these things. But they're blinded by their own sin um, to be led by this enemy 
to to bring this stuff out. And then all of a sudden they they're met with facts and they're like, huh, that's interesting. And we as Christians, because because through Christ and the Holy Spirit, we've been our eyes have been opened. We we see it, whereas maybe we didn't before. Mm-hmm. Um, but we see it, and we don't need like stats and statistics, you know, to know these things. Um, but it is helpful to be able to point that out to a blind culture when they see it. It's helpful, uh, and so I think, in one sense, it can be easy for us to be like idiots. But but we shouldn't. We should not really be that way. I I have to fight against that and say, okay, now I'm going to use this awesome tool, this this study, to say this is why God's in you know design is the best because it's the one that works, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So. I, I think it's interesting what people do in their uh, after they graduate and in their 20s now because it's completely different from Generation X. I mean, uh, my book reference is Kara Powell. She has a book called Growing Young about uh, young adults after they graduate from high school. But you know, people are generally doing things five years later than Generation X. Yeah, that's just mm. interesting. I, I like what you're talking about. I've not uh, talked a whole lot about this. Yeah, but that you know, kids are um, they're getting married five years later than Generation X. They're uh, entering the workforce five years later. Well, the median the, age mm. for women getting married is 28, and yeah. the median age for men getting married is 30 Yeah, at, at, wow. right now. Wow. And this generation that's growing up, Gen Z, they do things in a disordered way. And we as Gen Z, we see that as a weird thing. That you know, Typically, there's an order to do things for us growing up. There's You go to college, you get mm. a degree, then you uh, meet someone, you get married, and then you have children. And then there, there's a certain flow and order that's to life. But you meet a Gen Z kid, and they go to school for two years. They take a gap year. They go work for a while. They go back to school. They finish their degree. Maybe in the, the interim, they mm-hmm. meet a girlfriend. They move in with them. They have a kid. They decide that's not going to work out. And it all, to us, it seems disordered because, like, this doesn't follow the mm-hmm. logical flow of what's going on. But mm-hmm. for the generation growing up, that's normative. Yeah, They're slow to make decisions, and they're afraid of commitment. Yeah, That we're raising a generation of kids that are afraid of decision-making and uh, well, there's certainly not that urgency for them to, I don't know if it's the financial stability that's available right now, but there's not that urgency where I got to go out and work and provide for this family because mm-hmm. I got married when I was, you know, 19 and 20 or something like that, you know, and so. Yeah, like a lack of need. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how that flows into sexuality is that they're not necessarily going to go by the particular choices of uh, 40 or 50 years ago to right. do things in a certain progression. They're they're experimenting and they're afraid of failure. They're afraid of doing things wrong. They want to make the right choices. And mm. so sex is a part of that, that there's this whole perspective of, well, I've got to try out uh, mm. the things sexually yeah. Yeah. before I commit to this. Mm-hmm. Because, they, because they're afraid of committing to the wrong thing, they think they have to, to yeah, right. like test drive things. Test that drive ends up everything. creating yeah. a lot of discontentment and, and unhappiness in their life. You know, we've only touched on a couple of topics here. There's so much we haven't even talked about. <laughs> yeah. Gen- gender issues, uh, LGBTQ+. You know, we've not even talked about all the things facing our children. And I think all of this speaks to the importance of, of why we need to talk to your children. Uh, our children about sex. So mm-hmm. what would be a reason if a parent came to you and said, Matt, you know, why should I talk to my children about sex? What would you tell them? I would tell them that if you don't, somebody else will. Mm. And it probably will come from an unreliable source. Um, I was thinking about this this question, and I was thinking about 
2 Timothy 3.16, where it says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness. And I think for us as parents, there's different things that we do with our kids. There's the the teaching and training thing where we're trying to impart wisdom and knowledge to people. Yeah. But there's also the reproof and the correction part where somebody has done something willfully or accidentally that is sinful. And then we are trying to correct that behavior and train them to do it, to live in a godly way. But I think that as parents on the topic of sex, we are so much better on the reproof and correction mm. thing mm. than we are on, on the, the teaching, teaching thing. Yeah. And I think that we need to be balanced and be able to do those things. But it's because we have been afraid of teaching or unwilling to teach, then we get into trouble. And we need to be better teachers. Yeah, I think, I think there's, a, there's definitely an awkwardness to this. Mm-hmm. And I think some parents think of it as, I have to have the talk. I have to have the birds and the bees talk. And I think that's that in itself has inherent dangers. You know, you can't just sit down with your child and say, okay, here's the talk. And right. 30 minutes later, I've, I've had the talk and no more. I think there has to be an ongoing conversation, an openness, giving the kids a safe space to be able to talk about these things. I think that a fear of parents generally is, if I tell my kids about sex, they're going to have sex. Yeah. And I think yeah. that is yeah. so untrue. I mean, right. it, it, again, if you don't tell them about it, somebody else will, and it's going to be an unreliable source. So it right. might as well be you. Well, it's kind of like this will, This might resonate with you guys because you're both, like, <laughs> teaching your daughters how to drive, and they're driving and stuff. It's like driving. You don't just, like, like as soon as, you know, now, now they're 15 and a half, and I'm going to now for the, the keys. For, for the first time, well, here for the first time ever, I'm going to talk to you about principles of driving. Um, like, no, they've, they've probably learned a lot about driving from watching you drive from like interacting with, you know, like you, as you're like dealing with (laughs) traffic and everything else on the road, you've actually been having conversations about driving for years. Yeah. Well, here's the thing in an appropriate way. Most things my daughter thinks she's a really smart at a genius. You know, as a teenager, they're geniuses. Just, just FYI, you don't know anything. <laughs> Agreed. However, <laughs> when I'm teaching her to drive, she listens intently yeah. to what I have to say, and she mm. values my my opinion. I think I think we underestimate teenagers when the issue is very serious, mm-hmm. and and we're talking about big life issues, big things. They will listen and they will hear what you have to say. Yeah, because yeah. they want to know, and that's the point. Like, like, like you were saying, somebody else is going to tell them. Well, they're they're going to ask somebody else too. Mm-hmm. I mean, here's a worthy goal that I think all parents should have. You want to be the first person to tell your kids about sexual issues. That's exactly right. Um, and all the things that we're going to talk about. I mean, I think a lot of pattern of parents, unfortunately, is their kid comes home from school and says, "Mom, Dad, what's porn?" Yeah. Or they, mm-hmm. they have a negative interaction with something and then you're forced to be in a position of hurriedly explaining something instead of having an intentional conversation. Right, like you're talking about a reaction. You know, you find out that something has been Googled on the internet yeah. and you're like, oh. <gasps> I, yeah. You know, yeah. The yeah. scariest thing is if a child types in what is sex or something oh, on, yeah. on Google, they're going to get more than they... Oh, my word, yes. Yeah. More yeah. than yeah. They, yeah, you want your kid to know that they can ask you questions before yeah. they ask Google. Yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. Yes. So uh, is there anything else we want to say about this before we start getting into the categories? Anything about having this difficult conversation or... Well, I think what we're... So what we're going to jump into is these these different kind of age ranges. And so what, what we hope through this whole series to help parents understand is that these hard talks are not one hard talk these are these are 
these are conversations that you start with your children when they're young in, in an appropriate age-appropriate way that then flow into and throughout their life. Mm-hmm. And so what we hope to do for ourselves, I know for me, I want to be thinking ahead about this. I want to know how do I talk to my, you know, one-and-a-half-year-old about things that are going to prime me for these big conversations later on. So so that's kind of the whole point that we're trying to make right now. And I think we're going to jump into that here in just a second. Yeah, let me reference a book that I've got. It's by a friend of mine. It's Dr. Corey Gilbert. It's a book called I Can't Say That. And the whole premise of his book is that we as parents often mess up because we think we need to have one quote unquote talk with our kids about sex. When really what we need to have is over the course of their lifetime, a series of smaller conversations yeah. about different issues. Yeah. And so I think if you break it up like that too, it also helps parents say, Ooh, I don't need to cover like everything <laughs> in one talk, but you know, just check in every once in a while. And, and maybe there's something in your heart that you want to talk to them about. I mean, talk about that. And there are certain things as we're going to go through that are age appropriate that we need to discuss. And, um, you know, certainly we don't need to talk to a two-year-old about how sex works, but mm-hmm. sure. there are certain things that are appropriate for toddlers and, and right. young, young kids mm-hmm. to talk about. Yeah, that's right. That's good. Yeah, we'll, all of the resources, we'll link that in the show notes so parents can find those easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. And so, yeah. So let's jump in. So we've got three categories here. Younger children, we're thinking babies to pre-K, older children, kindergarten to fifth grade. And I know these are broad categories, so... Yeah, yeah. These are not, these are not like hard and fast. Like if your kid is in sixth grade, then this is exactly how you do it. Yeah, we could but have broken this down much. And then we were thinking about teenagers, sixth through twelfth grade. So yeah. let's talk about the young children, babies through pre K. What is important for these children to know at this point in their life? I think there's two broad topics you have to talk to kids about at this age. One is just the gender. Yeah. Uh, conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, kids are going to be naturally wondering about this anyway. Um, <laughs> I've had some parents that have come to me and said, my, my, my child is very obsessed with uh, male genitalia or female genitalia, mm-hmm. or uh, they're in the bathtub with uh, their brother or sister, mm-hmm. and they notice that there's a difference, and they ask questions about it. And should I address it? And the, the answer is yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. right. That's, yeah. A, mm-hmm. that's a great... I mean, if your kid's asking questions, <laughs> yes, God made... Men and God made women, and this is the difference between the two. You don't have to explain the the sexual act, mm-hmm. but at least right. you can explain. Well, there's a we difference. We have different parts, we yeah. Different and parts. we had boys and girls uh, growing up, alternating girl boy, girl boy. So when they're little bitty, you just throw them in the bathtub together, you know, and <laughs> they uh, notice that their parts are different, and yeah. that's okay. We're like, yeah, he's a boy, she's a girl, and our parts are are different, and ah. you can acknowledge those those gender differences either early on, and it can kind of grow up naturally understanding that this was God's design for them. Yeah, I think it's hilarious and and a good thing and something we should we should not be aghast to because what we're seeing with these little kids I've got, you know, three little kids now and uh, what we see with them is them noticing obvious things mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. our world doesn't notice and they're babies, you know, and it's just funny to watch these little ones like figuring it out and being like Huh, what is that? You know, and, and they're figuring it out and they're and they're curious. And so you have to you don't want to squash their curiosity, mm-hmm. but you also don't want them have a, a 
an over curiosity and the way you allow them to have an over curiosity is by not answering any of those questions. Well, there's two ways you, you either underreact or you overreact. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's going to cause a lot of, but if you just kind of like, it's like, yep, if that's kind of like, yeah, this is how God created us boys right. and girls. And you kind of really just kind of answer it matter of factly parents. The worst thing we can do is freak out. Yeah. yeah. That is the absolute worst thing we can do because anytime you freak out, you signal to your kids that there's something, uh, there's something like different or mysterious yeah. or something for them to figure out right. and you're not going to help them figure it out. Like that's, that's what they feel. Yeah. Now uh, this is skipping ahead, but I think that there's another gender conversation you have to have when your kids are older, mm-hmm. which is yes. that the world and the culture is teaching kids. There's a difference between biological sex and gender, right? That biological sex is what you were born with your anatomical parts and gender is how you feel as yes. a person. And I think kids, when they're toddlers or or that young, they, they're not going to understand that that concept. Well, and but. it's not even gender anymore. I was having a conversation with some teachers, and it's it's kids feeling like they're animals now. Right. Yeah. Kids, yeah. I'm I'm a cat, and uh, I'm you know they they're allowed to act like a cat in school. Mm-hmm. I'm a dog. I'm a wolf. I can act like a. So it's not just it's it's it, the world has lost its mind. Right. So, yeah. Sin makes you lots uh, of different identity. But I think I think it's good to confirm with our children. This is how God created you. Yeah. God did not make a mistake. Yep. And as we are grappling with the fall and our sin nature and our identity, we have to right, we have right, to fall right. into God and not not walk away from him in that and let him let by led by the spirit help him realize who we are in Christ. Yeah. And I think that's really important for our kids to understand. Well, let me ask this question. This is not here, but I think it is relevant. I just thought of it. What do, what do parents do? You guys help me out. What do parents do when their little boy uh, is interested in, you know, girl clothes? I'm talking like, you know, this little mm. pre-K kid is like, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna have a tea party. Like in, in our world today, if kids want to have tea parties, it's like, well, I guess they're a girl. Once again, you some know, parents, will, some parents will, will react with, oh, they let let them be a girl, right. you know, just because they are inquiring about dolls or tea parties. Or then some of them are like, no, don't don't do that. Mm-hmm. Go play with a truck. And I think that like my son loves boy things. Mm-hmm. He loves Nerf guns and fighting and trucks and all those types of things. My youngest son, but he also will play dolls with his sister. Yep, right. And that's okay. That's not. I'm not freaking out just because he's playing dolls with his sister. You know. Well, think about think about a grown man who is going to have a, a yeah. baby one day. Uh-huh. Do you want that grown man to have zero yeah. ability to interact with a delicate object? <laughs> you know, because this whole life he's told you have to punch stuff. Right. Like, I mean, some of it's learned from from your household, right? Mm-hmm. Like my kid was into superheroes because that's what dad was interested sure. in. Sure. I mean, and then that's what we we hung out with and what that's what we shared and that's was our ex- experience. And I, I think it parents shouldn't freak out at that age over – the particular interests of their kid. They're explorers. They yeah. want to explore yes. things and they want to figure out how things work and they want to relationally interact with other kids. And so they're not making major life choices. Right. They're right. just exploring things. Uh, but I think that you can use some things as a teaching opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, with, with all things, there's discernment. I mean, and you can use like this particular uh, example that you brought out. I mean, use that as an opportunity to talk about gender. Yeah. Yeah. And, have that conversation. That's a great type of thing to talk about, that uh, girls do this and boys do mm-hmm. this, and, and that there's a difference between the two genders. And mm-hmm. that's a good conversation to have. You're yeah. not stymieing the kid. They're learning. Right. They're exploring. 
That's good. Are there certain scriptures or biblical narratives that we need to teach children at this age so they can have a grasp on some of these things? I, I think, uh, you know, Genesis 2, um, just God yeah. making the genders mm-hmm. and yeah. is just a good place to start. I think the, the kids are really interested in the creation story at that age. I mean, I think, um, I mean, most curriculum that's Christian curriculum at that age, they're, they're going to be heavy on Genesis mm-hmm. 1 and 2. And oh, so yeah. it's going to natural outgrowth with that. Yeah. Well, I think with that too, like the animal, even the animals in that, like I love seeing my kid naturally. He, we never taught him this. We're just like, there's the daddy deer and there's the mommy right. deer. And you're like, wow. They, yeah. You know. Let me just jump in and say, I think another conversation that is important to have with kids of this age is conversations to help them avoid sexual abuse, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which is the st- yeah. statistics on sexual abuse are just crazy in terms of um, the rate and the prevalence and things like that. And uh, it, it's important to, to have a conversation about um, certain anatomical areas that yes. nobody should be touching those certain anatomical areas. Mm-hmm. And, you don't keep secrets from your parents. Yes. Mm-hmm. That if somebody asks you to keep a secret about mm. touching you in a certain area, you don't do that. You right. always are open and honest with your mommy and daddy that there should be, there's going to be no guilt or shame and those type of things, but y- you want to have openness and conversation. But just keeping your kids safe from sexual predators um, is really important. I've even heard like teaching young children the the proper terms for things is mm-hmm. important. Yes. Right. Uh, you for know, that reason. Growing up, that was never a thing. It was like, you know, you use different, you know, turtle and, th- you know, whatever, like random words for what things. What household did you grow up <laughs> yeah, in? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so anyways, <laughs> <laughs> mom, dad, I love you, but no, <laughs> But yeah, you use you use these you're terms thinking that are like not, you're thinking like a pee pee or wee wee yeah yeah know, yeah things, yeah, like, yeah. That. things yeah. like that and uh, and and it's actually n- unfortunately necessary to teach children what these things actually are for the purpose of being able to verify that I, something. I honestly think millennials don't have a problem with that. The the young couple, well, at least some of the couples I interact with, their know young children call yeah. the parts. Well, they well are, and I think that's know. because we've we've been told this. Like, mm-hmm. I think right. it's because we've been mm-hmm. told what I just, yeah, what I was saying. Yeah, and so I and wouldn't have thought that though. I think there's less shame or stigma around that than yeah, ever. But but that's if you true. do have that, I do know. Depending on that, I also know uh, couples that have grown up in households where, um, you know, like sex has been seen as something that's wrong or right, or right. dirty, and so then that's where. They don't use proper terminology. They don't talk about it. They don't do anything surrounding it. And that's where children have no framework. And then it's, it is easier for a predator to come in and that's right. Yeah. And take it, advantage if, if there's, if they have no framework for any of this. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, for a, an investigator or police officer, it's easier to prosecute somebody when your kid says he touched my penis. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Versus um, some other anatomical term or something mm-hmm, yeah. you use as a family term that it's kind of unclear as to mm-hmm. what's going on right. and mm-hmm. what has occurred. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah, that's good. Thank you for bringing that up. Mm-hmm. We we do, and you have a resource on that as well, right? I do for for kids that are this particular age range. I have two board books by uh, New Growth Press. One is called God Made Boys and Girls, and then. Uh, the other one's called God Made All of Me, and mm-hmm. that second one is about uh, helping uh, children protect their bodies from sexual predators, mm-hmm. and uh, they're both Christian resources, and they're picture books, and 
very age appropriate for this range. That's great. That's Those really are good resources. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, I think parents we need to invest in these resources. I know there's a little cost to this, but but this is an investment in these conversations, investment yeah. in your children. So definitely look at these resources and, and pick them up if you can. So one one last thing before we move on to the next age range is Brian and I talked about this when we were thinking about our production meeting that parents need to model healthy affection in front of their children at this age. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's really important for kids to see that a husband and a wife can hug, can kiss, can, can sit on the couch together, hold hands. Um, I think that they will get a much healthier perspective of what, of what's, you know, not sex, but, but in a, of what, what love, what affection mm-hmm. is in the, in the bounds of marriage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's absolutely right. And if they only see, People loving each other in a in a non married sense Contact. on TV or yeah. whatever, they're not they're not going to understand. Yeah, and they need to see it from the people that they love the most. You know, their their parents and um, and you know, not everybody has the ability to do that. I know, like single moms, single dads. Sure. Like I know that that's going to be harder. Um, but if you are uh, you married, like make sure you don't shy away from uh, showing affection to your spouse because your kids are in the room. Obviously, don't be you know stupid, but but be be open. Be you know hug them, kiss them goodbye uh, when you go to work or whatever. Um, make sure that they see that mommy and daddy love each other more than they love anyone else in the world, um, and they are committed to each other because that's going to help them realize like. Hey, that's that's exactly what I want. So yeah, kids are smarter than you think and observe more than you think. That's yeah. true. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. <laughs> so let's move to older children. We're thinking about grade school uh, children. Uh, what's really important for these children to know at this point in life? I mean, this is where we start getting into some really because they get sent off into the world, and yeah. unfortunately, they learn. Uh, you know, when I was a kid, you learned a lot on the playground from other children. And most of it was wrong information. So you know, nowadays, uh, they're te- they are wanting to or attempting to teach children uh, very early yeah. on. You know, I learned about, I can't remember, I want to say it was like sixth grade. They had a, a special movie that talked about sex and about your body. And it was, it was traumatizing because it was the actress that played Annie who is narrating and walking through. Did anyone else experience this movie? No. Mm-mm. Oh, I'm sure there's got to be wow. some, yeah, there's got to be some Gen Xers out there that experienced this. <laughs> like people getting triggered right now. They're like, oh no. <laughs> we went to the library. We went to the library at the school and, you know, you had your parents had to sign a permission slip and all mm-hmm. this and you went to the library and you went in this room and everybody watched this film with little orphan Annie, the actress that played her, having the sex talk with everybody and it was very traumatic for all of us. Wow. No, it was, it wasn't really traumatic but, <laughs> but that was kind of my first my first foray into like the real stuff yeah you know the other stuff in first second third grade on the playground was so much misinformation ridiculous i know yeah yeah and you know if if your kids do hear misinformation address it talk it use it as an opportunity to Mm -hmm. say okay let's let's have a conversation about this um but I, I think that this age range is, is the perfect time to have an initial sex talk. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't need to go into gory detail, but to explain to kids that are in elementary school, this is what sex is, this is the purpose of it, and mm. it's only within the context of marriage. We don't look at stuff on our phones or mm-hmm. on the Internet mm-hmm. that is sexual. Just to have a very basic conversation about that, that's certainly appropriate because you're sending your kids out in the world and they're going to hear about it from somewhere. Even yeah. in elementary school, my wife is an elementary school guidance counselor. I guarantee 
kids hear stuff mm. they're not supposed to. Mm. Yep. Mm. I've uh, I've driven for our uh, daycare. Uh, we we pick up kids for after school care, and um, I'll be taking them from the elementary school to the after school care, and uh, I'll, I'll hear them talk about like things and you know. Uh, the, I mean, even like transgender or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, man, these kids are not even, they're not even like sixth grade mm-hmm. yet. Yep. And they already know these words and these concepts. And they, they might not have any idea. I mean, I remember, like you said, those playground talks where you're talking about stuff and it's, you're talking big game and you have literally no clue yeah. what these words mean. Right. But you're talking about them. And, uh, but nowadays, nowadays they might, they nowadays know they, they can go, uh, the scary thing, like you said, they go on the internet. And find out lots of, just like we, when we have a question, it's funny how our culture has changed. When we have a question, you're watching a movie, you're like, I've seen this actor before. Right, right. We used to just wonder. We, yep. we couldn't, like, <laughs> there was no way to figure out where you'd seen this actor before in yep. your life. Now it's like, well, let me Google the movie. Let me get, the, let me get his whole IMDb. filmography. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And like, oh, that's where I've seen that actor. Mm-hmm. Well, that's just part of our culture now. And kids are growing up in that. When they have a question, when they have something, I've seen it on my kids' um own uh, tablets, not not anything of sex, but I've seen them Google, what is this? You know, mm-hmm. they just Google random things because mm-hmm. that's how kids learn nowadays. Yeah. And so when they have a question about sex, if they don't know, what are they going to do? They're going to Google. Well, and I think what like what you were saying, Matt. I think that was a great point. Like teaching them, telling them you you come, you don't fi- figure out what this is from your phone or from from somebody else's mm-hmm. phone. You come to me and talk to me. Like, yeah. well, we uh, man, let's talk about right, it. Right. Let you me know? and let me put a plug in. I don't know if you've seen the Bark app. Are you no. familiar with that one? Mm-hmm. Bark is a fantastic app that you can put on your kid's device, and then you have you have parameters that you set. So if they were to type in what is sex? You would be alerted to that, and then you could go have these conversations. Or if they were having a, a text conversation or something, and something inappropriate came up, you would be able to see those things very early on mm-hmm. and not have these things continue on. So I would put in a plug for Bark. It's a, it's a great app. Yeah. Let, let me just say the worst thing that you can tell a kid at this age is we don't talk about that. Yes. Yeah. That's, yes. Be- because if you keep on repeating that, when they come to, to you with questions that are legitimate, eventually they're going to stop coming to you because mm-hmm. they're going to figure out, well, mom and dad, they're not going to talk to me about this, so I'm going to talk to somebody else about this and try to figure it out some other way. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are some conversations that are probably inappropriate for that age range, but you can say something different. You can say, uh, this is an important question. You know, when you get older, we can talk about this and um, give them whatever information you can, you can. about that age. Mm-hmm. But I think we don't talk about that or we're not going to talk well, about that. Is, is I, I believe being honest with children as much as possible. I, you Amen. know, I'll even give my children... Like, they'll ask, um, you know, random questions, like, why is the grass green? And I'll say, well, son, there's chlorophyll in the, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I give them so much more information because I want them to know that that I'm not going to say, I'm not going to give them some made-up answer. I'm not going to I'm not gonna lie to them. I'm, I'm a source of information no matter what the question is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think we have to let them know, like, we will honestly answer your question. And nine times out of ten, I give them too much information, and they're like, okay, whatever. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, they're totally satisfied. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, that's I better. Think- the sex conversation is important at this age, but I think what's equally as important is a media conversation, mm-hmm. especially because mm-hmm. as the age range declines in the number of uh, the average age of a kid getting a phone, I think it's now something like nine years old. That's insane. That's average. That's and, insane. And, you know, there are elementary school kids running around um, Oak Hill, which is where my wife works. And, you know, they, they're fourth graders, third graders. They, they have phones. 
I mean, if you don't trust your kid to drive a car, why would you give them a phone? I right. mean, there's uh, just a world of iniquity that is out there at somebody's fingertips yeah. um, with the power of a cell phone nowadays. And I think you've got to have a serious conversation. about. I, that. I remember growing up, it's like, you know, we had you had the one computer and it was the the one that was the dial up, you know, and you you couldn't spend more than an hour on that. Mm hmm. You know, and now it's like, well, the here, computer was spend in a, all day long on the Internet. You know, right. they're like, they're for oh a season. Word. They had the mm -hmm. you had the family computer. Right. It was right, in right. one area. It was mostly out in the open or in yeah. an office area. And if you needed to go on the computer, everyone was around normally yeah. or, you know, it was uh, it was it was public. And nowadays you're giving them the power of the Internet and they are private in their room wherever and and well, you don't and, know and, what I mean, they're looking at i mean you need to think about early what rules are we going to have That's for technology right. and everybody needs to abide by them uh, our yes. daughter is old she she has to put her phone in the kitchen at night yes and not in her bedroom mm -hmm. she can't use her computer in her bedroom she does not have a tv in her bedroom yes everything is in a common space and in a common area That's smart and then we read her phone every single night and she's aware of that this is not like right, right. snooping on her we see every single text message that she sends to every friend everything else well and if you start this early it won't be a problem if exactly. you try to if you try to from experience if you if you try to do these things after you've already established it is much harder and yeah. I, and we have we have fought that battle ourselves because we could you know i think my daughter got a phone when she was a freshman and that was that was when she was starting to be out with friends, you know, or go to the movie. We drop her off at the movie with a friend, and then we pick her up, you know, things like that. Um, and so we wanted her to have a phone, you know, to be able to communicate. Well, at that point, you're thinking, um, you're thinking, you know, they're going to have the best intentions with everything. And then as we go along, we're like, oh, we need to put a little more protection mm -hmm. on this phone because the parental. Uh, locks that Google or Listen, that that Apple has is not sufficient. Oh, no. the, the temptation is too powerful, and and it's right. not in some sense. And here's where parents need to, you know, we all need to just be like, you know, I remember. I, I'm so thankful for my parents because I remember when uh, when I when I got caught doing stupid things, I could see in my dad's eyes the like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally knew this was going to happen, and it was like it was like, in one sense, he was disappointed and that hurt. In another sense, he understood, and that made me feel like, okay, this isn't the end of the world, and I'm like, he loved me, you know? And so it's like, yeah, your kid's a sinner, and the temptation, that's the thing we're saying. Your phone, the phone is just a super powerful temptation device, and you don't want to give that to somebody who isn't mature enough to handle it. Mm -hmm. That's just foolish. Yeah. And yeah, so we're not trying good. to say there's a law here, like you're a terrible parent if you blah, blah, blah. We're not saying that. We're just saying... You need to monitor the temptations that are coming at your kids. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And you, there are some reasons where your kid legitimately may need a cell phone. Yeah. Like um, our, our Gwen at one point in time was going to Washington Middle School, and she was walking down the street to Bossy in order to go to certain practice for sports. And at that point in time, I wanted to give Gwen a cell phone mm -hmm. just because she's walking down Washington sure. Avenue to Bossy. And so – that's at that point where we gave her a cell phone. We talked to her about certain things. We put rules in place. 
but we wanted her to be able to contact us if there was sure, there was of trouble. course. And there's there's legitimate reasons to give your kids phones, but yeah. not at not at a uh, like third grade. Yeah, <laughs> well, if your kids walking, yeah, exactly, a third grade walking. No, down, no, yeah. no, this is middle school. <laughs> yeah, there's other problems, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I before we uh, leave this age, I want to ask the question because we we refer to mm-hmm. LGBTQ plus. When we're thinking of yeah. homosexuality. We're thinking of transgenderism. This is a big thing for kids this age. I mean, it's a big thing for all kids, but especially this is when, you know, and, and Brian, you, you've pointed this out before where um, boys can get, boys and girls can get very confused because they have strong affection. Like little boys will have strong affection mm-hmm. for other boys at this age mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in the sense that like, this is my best friend. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't like girls. Girls are icky. You know, boys yeah. are icky. And I think if we don't, help them understand what's happening. The the world, the culture will monopolize that conversation and say, Oh, you like boys or, Oh, yes. you like girls. Homose- here's, here's, here's what I really think homosexuality is. I think homosexuality is the sexualizing of friendship mm. of, of, of a heterosexual or, or of a, of a, of a, um, the, I don't know the exact word for this, but if you homosexuality is when you sexualize friendship between uh, uh, male and male or mm. female and female, and and that's like C.S. Lewis talks about this in the Four Loves and friendship, and we talked about this in our friendship podcast a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, when he he really digs into this, and I love hearing what C.S. Lewis has to say, where it's basically any time like the world thinks love is always sexual. Mm-hmm. And what we have to teach our kids is that you can love your best friend. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Billy and Jimmy can love each other and be best friends and it not be a sexual thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, in fact, that's, that's, you see so many examples of that in scripture. Um, and so that's one of the things we have to help them yeah. understand the difference there. Yeah. And I think that a, a lot of the gender issues and sexuality issues that we're facing in culture are, the aftermath of decades and decades of the sexual revolution exactly. mm-hmm. and sexual brokenness, relational brokenness, and it's just snowballing downhill. That well, the are. sexual revolution always has to have something new to conquer. Yeah. And if you notice, all the way back from the 50s and 60s, there has to be some barrier to break and to, to continue it on. Yeah. Yeah, and now polyamory is is the yeah. the new trend right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I've dealt with young adults that have been here in Evansville and polyamorous relationships, mm-hmm. and so it's not just some theoretical thing. Well, kids will your children will go to school with kids that will identify as alternate genders, yeah, alternate species, mm-hmm. alternate. Um, you know, they'll, they'll be dealing with homosexuality, pansexuality, bisexuality. I mean, all of these things are hitting kids earlier and earlier nowadays. Yeah, and I, I would, you know, from from doing years of counseling I, I and, and dealing with students, you know, I've, I've been doing student ministry for 20 years. I, I think that from my personal experience, there's always a correlation between sexual issues, identity issues, gender issues, and some sort of immediate sexual or relational brokenness in the past. Mm. And so I think where we often make a mistake as Christians is, is saying... Um, it is a choice that someone chooses to do this, but we don't understand the reason why. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That yeah. there's a deep-seated hurt that's there, and somebody's trying to cope with what's going on in their household, in their family, the things that have been done to them, and what they really need is a relationship with I, Christ. I, I always say there's a difference between reasons and excuses. And yeah. so we don't excuse things, but, but when we understand the reason for stuff, 
it gives us a, the ability to be way more gracious and it gives us the ability to do something about the reason. And I think what you just said is, is huge and it's really good to hear. So how do, we, how do we address these things if our children come to us and say, um, you know, little, little Billy now wants to be called Susie, you mm-hmm. know, or, um, you know, there's, there's two boys in my school and that, they're, they're, that like that are boyfriends, mm-hmm. you know, how do we, how do we address that with, with our grade school kids in particular? I think instead of being fearful of those things, I think it's saying, thank you, Lord, that this is an opportunity for me to talk to, mm-hmm. to my kids about this. That's mm-hmm. natural. And your kid is really opening up a window for you to talk about the Bible and sexuality and what the Bible says about those things. And, I mean, uh, I remember when, um, you know, th- the whole thing with media uh, portraying LGBTQ plus people on TV is really growing. It seems like yeah. it, oh, yeah. whether Most it's a cooking competition Most or definitely. Food Network or travel show, I mean, everything is being pushed or, now. Or, or glad or but toddler shows. Glad, I mean, um, rates or glad keeps track of the number of, of LGBTQ plus people every year in the media. And they can track it, and you can see they're always pushing for more and more, and there is more and more and more people added across the media landscape every year. I mean, the best thing that happened in this area in terms of conversations for me and, and my kiddo was uh, I told you that you know she was into superheroes, and so we would watch some of the Arrowverse stuff on oh, yeah. W, yeah. and yeah. Uh, we were watching Supergirl. Which it hit was, Flash, Supergirl. Yeah, yeah, Gwen was very excited about Supergirl when that came out, and so uh, when they mm-hmm. introduced an LGBTQ character – that created just a lot of conversation area for us that, you know, we didn't really watch that show over the long term, but at least in that provided us with an opportunity to say, you know, this is not biblical. This is not how relationships work. And that was really groundswell for us to do that. And so there's a way that you can actually use media to your advantage Mm. that instead of uh, letting your kids numb out to it or be mindless about it, to go back and say, Okay, so what did you think about that? Or uh, what, are, what do you think the Bible says about that? Use that as a jumping off point to, to run to Scripture yeah. for and, those things. And I think teaching them what true happiness is, yeah. you know, because I think with the media and the and the, the culture, the portrayal of all of these things, of any sinful thing, mm-hmm. it's like beer commercials, yeah. you know. It's like everyone's super skinny and having the best time of their lives, and you're like, huh, you know somebody that drinks a lot, a lot, a lot of alcohol? That's not them. Right. Um, and so you need, to, you need to teach them what the reality is behind these things instead of just what they're seeing. Yeah, so. and I, I think one one lie to combat that is certainly demonic and, and is not biblical is that we are defined by our attractions. So if you are have some fleeting attraction as a man to another man, that makes you a homosexual. Yeah. Nothing could be further from the truth. Right. Just, just because right. you have one sinful thought, that doesn't define the identity of who you are for mm, all time. That's good. And that's what... Um, glad or the lgbtq plus community would want you to think is that if you ever have one of these thoughts or emotions Mm -hmm. that's who you are are. that's not true you are who god says that you are that's good that's good well let's move on to our next uh category here teenagers sixth through twelfth grade so i think the mistake that often parents make at this age is waiting to dump all this information at this age i think if you're telling teenagers certain talks you've waited way too long I, I think that you know when you get a teenager you your parenting transitions from telling or directing to coaching mm-hmm. where you have to uh, 
uh, guide your teenager through life. And your influence declines as a parent as your kids grow older. Yeah. And um, that's kind of super scary. But you get into middle school and, and high school, the ship has already sailed for the training component. So mm-hmm. really you're coaching them through a lot of different things at this point in time. Yeah, and it, and it has to be that way. I mean, if you, I mean, if uh, if your progression, if they're not growing into adulthood, I mean, think mm-hmm. about just the way we we have this category for teenagers that has not existed for a very long time, maybe a, maybe a hundred, two hundred years at the most. Um, for the most of the, of history, uh, you know, thirteen and up is like you're you're you are a young adult, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and so we have to have this understanding of like your kid is growing into adulthood. It can't be like they're a kid until they're 18 and then boom, all of a sudden they got to be an adult. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work. Yeah. Um, and so if we are not using this time, if you're not using the sixth through 12th grade time to help your kid become an adult, then they are going to be a kid in their twenties. Well, here's the thing. They're going to also, th- this is the time when their bodies are changing. I mean, we, you may have, you may have, they've noticed that their bodies are different men and women. They've noticed, you know, Hey, your body will change. Now it's actually happening to them. And I think that's important for you uh, as parents to kind of come alongside them because, mm-hmm. you know, boys are having hair growing in places and they're experiencing different powerful hormones and urges and things. And girls start having their period and, you know, breasts start to develop and things like that. And so if they don't have a parent, mm-hmm. you know, that's going to help walk, them through this and how to how to they're going to look to other again other sources to find answers to figure out you know and they're going to feel alone they're going to feel very much just kind of on their own dealing with these things here's something that i'm finding interesting with our world our world our culture for i think there's two interesting dynamics one i don't think the culture trusts parents Mm. with kids i don't think that i think i mean my experience is like, hey, parent, you're probably not going to do this right, so we'll do it for you. And, and and that's not, you know, entirely, that's not everyone in the culture. But but I'm thinking about like, you know, uh, any type of entertainment where it's like, well, we have to we have to help people understand the right way to think about things. And so there's that. And then there's like, um, well, parents aren't going to do this, so we got to. And what we're hoping to say, what with the whole point of this conversation that we're having is to empower parents to do what God has given for only you to do. Um, and so, yeah, like other people are going to try to explain what a period is to your, you know, sixth and seventh grade girl. And you that should not be happening. It is your, you can do this. You can do this, parent. And, you know, another reason to have conversations early is that when your kids get into the middle school years, they start having a a natural level of embarrassment Mm. that they don't want to have these conversations. And so it's good to have them early before there is that Mm, embarrassment. And then when they get into some of the body issues or things like that, where there may be uh, just some shame going on about what's going on with their bodies, that's when you as a gender may have to step up. Like yeah. there's certain things that dads may have, a, right. have to have a conversation mm. with boys about yeah. ladies, you as wives and, and moms, you may have to kind of have a conversation with girls about menstruation, about uh, breasts, about bodies changing and things like that. And, and all the accoutrements that go on. Right. With that. Yeah. And once again, we're sensitive to those that are single parents, yes. you know? Yeah. And so, well, you know, it's, it's difficult for them to ha- always have these conversations, but maybe there's a trusted, uh, a grandparent or an aunt or uncle or somebody that can step in to kind of help with 
be a surrogate sort of mom or dad in your church. I mean, I've, sure. I've seen it in our church where, where parents who have even parents who have been having these conversations with their kids will come to like one of the life group, the lady life group leaders or one of the guy life group leaders sure. and be like, Hey man, like we've already had these conversations. Like, would you mind just like whenever you can, or maybe they'd even set up meetings. I, I know there's one lady who, who she does this sort of stuff for like, she works with, um, um, I, I can't, I, I, she works kind of along with like CPS and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So she knows how to have these conversations and people have gone to her and be like, would you, would you help me have these conversations? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like your church family's there for you too. Yeah. I think parents don't have to feel like they're alone, especially yeah. single parents, but no parents should feel like they're alone in this. You right. know, we, you know, your pastors, there are, there are counselors, there are other people that have walked through this mature Christians that have walked through this properly and they're there to help and assist because this is, this does not, come naturally it doesn't happen naturally you have to you know find good resources like like you're we're talking about earlier and you have to uh you know walk through this in a biblical way i think there's a good conversation to have at this age as well to have the porn conversation again Mm -hmm. because especially with boys to talk about porn and masturbation at this point in time is a very healthy conversation because the temptation is huge because it's it's right there at the the edge of kids fingertips i mean if as a teenager myself if i wanted to watch porn I had to go in the back room of a video store. You had to right? rent a video or get a magazine or something it, like that. Exactly. It was, that very, was, it was much more difficult. It was much more difficult. But now it's at the edge of kids' fingertips. And I think it's also good to have four girls and four boys to begin to have another sexting conversation mm. and to have them understand the legal ramifications of sending nudes because it's child pornography. Uh, actually, I think that's changed. Uh, let me take that back. The law has changed in Indiana, so it's not child pornography anymore. It's a lesser charge because it's really? gone. It's happening so much that they didn't want to prosecute. Well, you're thinking kids. between teenagers, wow. yeah. and so I think. But where right, where I have right. seen it become a problem is with a say like a 17 year old or yeah. an 18 year old, and they can they can put that and that 18 year old can be charged with possession of child pornography if yeah. that yeah. female is underage. But I do know that it, from, from different students at different high schools, and I, I'm saying this to scare the pants off of parents. There are <laughs> portfolios of pictures of girls from different high schools that get traded around amongst kids at those high schools. Wow. You've got to talk to your kids that the internet is forever. If you're yeah, sending, if you if you put it out there, just because you delete it doesn't mean it's gone. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if your boyfriend says, "Please send me a nude picture," I promise I'll delete it. It's not going to get deleted. Yeah, yeah. Even if yeah, even if they do. Yeah, even which, if they do, it's on a teacher server girls somewhere. never trust what a boy says. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> says the two guys that Amen. have teenage never girls. trust boys. That's right. That's right. I I am one. So. Yeah, no, that's true. Your dad's the only one you can ever trust. <laughs> <laughs> as as her mom looks at her sideways, like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So how do we keep this conversation ongoing? It is it is awkward. It is hard. How do we how do we make this? Uh, and how, how do we foster sort of an openness with our with our teenagers? I, I think the, the difference is uh, again. Instead of there's an art in not telling but coaching, yeah, and and coaching meaning you ask questions. That's exactly what I was. And yeah. I, I think there's an art to that. I think it, with teenagers, a lot of them just as soon as you start telling them things or lecturing them about things, they shut down. But you know they think they're adults. They're really not. But 
the way that you approach them is, is you have a conversation with them. Let me tell you a fun story. Um, so I used to go hang out with my uncle a lot, and I've mentioned him before. And uh, my uncle and aunt Uncle were, Jimmy. Uncle Jimmy. He, they were volleyball uh, coaches for a ladies' volleyball team. And so I had the special privilege of being able to hang out with all these ladies on hey. this volleyball team. So I was like, <laughs> life was good. <laughs> so, so we're, you know, and, and I wasn't like being weird. I was just hanging out with my uncle Jimmy and, uh, and I, we loved volleyball, but I, I talked to all these girls and I remember one day my uncle, uh, asking me and being like, Hey, any of these girls, you like them? And I was just like, what? And, uh, and, and, and he was just like, well, yeah, tell me what, you, what do you think? And, uh, and it was weird at first but then I was like, oh, we okay. And so I, I was like, yeah, you know, this girl, she's really nice or that blah, blah, blah. And he was like, why do you think these things? Or like, what are you really looking for? He just started asking me a bunch of questions. And I realized after like he was making, he was making me think through mm. what the reasons I had for, for pursuing somebody. And he was trying to get me to, yeah, recognize like beauty, but also to, to look for the, the essence of like relationships. And I remember that. And so what I'm trying to get at is you can ask questions that the kids really do want to answer and they're not used to adults asking them. Um, and so you can, and I would say here's, here's, and, and you guys disagree with me if I'm wrong. I think that as the kids get older, like you were talking, Matt, about leaning into your, your gender, dads need to talk to their sons mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. sons, I, I, moms, I love you. Um, Boys don't want to talk to their moms about who they like. Um, or poor. Generally, generally, yeah, yeah. So, and 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 girls are probably not going to want to talk to their dads about who they like. Now, you, you, I'm not saying you can't ask those questions, but but men, ask your sons, talk to your sons about it, and don't be ashamed of asking like, "Hey, who you're interested in?" And you know, ask them good questions to get them to think through why they like somebody and what mm -hmm. they plan on doing about yeah. that. Yeah, and I think that. Uh, ladies, you're going to have to have a porn conversation with girls as well. I mean, the, one of the fastest growing groups of uh, users of pornography is, is young girls or, yeah. Or, yeah. or young women. And, you know, there's a certain um, level of young ladies wanting to do things to get boys to like them. Yes. Yeah. And they'll, they'll do stupid things just to get a boy to like them. And that usually involves the phone and, and taking a picture. Mm -hmm. And you've, you've got to have a conversation with uh, moms. You've got to have a conversation with girls about self-worth, self-esteem. Yeah, yeah. That you don't do these things for the affection right. of, of a guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that's important. You know, one of the, one of the biggest things, I think, if, for dads is to, you know, when our, when our girls get older, there's, there can be a tendency to be weirded out by that. Mm -hmm. And I think we cannot be afraid to show affection to our teenage daughters to make sure we, even though they won't want to hug us, you know, or, you know, they'll, they'll be like, oh, don't, don't Dad, touch me. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Make sure that you persist yes. in telling them you love them, tell, hugging them, giving them a kiss on the forehead, whatever. Make sure that they know that you, you, you find their, their beauty, their value, their worth, all of those things. Because yeah. if we as dads don't do that, that's where a lot of females, that's where a lot of teenage girls will go look for that somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. For sure. I think that's really important. So we we're, we have, so say we, we have an ongoing conversation with our teenagers. We've, there's an openness. We, we've talked about sex. What about, what if they come with really intense questions? You know, 
they've heard something about a certain sex act or they've heard something extreme from something or seen something on on the internet. Yeah. You know, well, they, they've heard about the show Euphoria and they're talking about BDSM or something like that. And yeah. h- how do we react to those? Because I think as as parents, you can be really freaked out if if they start coming asking really intense, mm. e- even seen as grotesque questions, sexual perversion questions. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, it's with porn nowadays, it's easy to go down the rabbit hole. Like, right. You start yeah. looking at one thing and then you're you're looking at BDSM or you're looking at. Uh, transgender things, or th- or just it's all yeah. out there. I mean, yeah, you, you, I, I won't mention websites. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But um, but I think you know. Step one: don't freak out. Um, don't pass out. <laughs> don't, uh, don't, <laughs> I mean, it, these are going to be natural things your kids are going through. I think you know it, it's good if you're. I mean, think about the how awesome it is that your kid actually came to you and asked that thing yeah, that's versus true. went to somebody else. So there's that. But then, you know, I would answer the question. And if, if there's something that is too big for you to handle, you know, find a pastor, find a counselor, mm-hmm. find uh, somebody to help. There's lots of resources that are out there. Um, you know, if anybody's looking at, for a Christian counselor in the community, I mean, there's Mike Schloss over at uh, Edward Oak Hill. Mm-hmm. There's uh, me and, and Karen Hauer over at, at Northwoods. There's lots of resources that are here to help. Yeah, yeah, I think it's good. I, I think another thing, you know, I, I remember this. A lot of mine is just, you know, I'm not raising teenage kids yet. Um, but I know from my experience, I'm thankful for the way my parents mm-hmm. handle a lot of things. And I remember my dad, uh, especially. And my mom was super helpful. We, we had I had tons of conversations with my mom about the Bible and everything. But I remember my dad had few words, but I remember them all because <laughs> there's so few. Um, but one of them was like, I remember I was... I was uh, basically like going on a, a date and my dad came to me and he was like, but if he basically was like, you know, the right thing mm-hmm. and you know, what's right, you know, what's wrong. And he said, and he said, basically like when, if something, if you, if you mess up, like don't do your best not to mess up. But if you do like, I love you, but also just remember that you have a heavenly father Mm-hmm. And you and and like ultimately, it's between you and him. Mm-hmm. Like you're not living this sexual life out for. And he didn't say all these things, but this is what he was getting at. You're not living this sexual ethic out just because mommy and daddy said so. Mm-hmm. You're doing it because you have a heavenly father who who designed things for your good. And that was ultimately what he communicated to me. And it was the most freeing thing where I knew I felt so empowered to do what was right mm-hmm. because I didn't feel so afraid to mess up. Mm-hmm. You know, I was well. Like, that's where we give our kids a, a great view of the Bible and a great view of of theology and who God is. And you know, we'll talk about this on another episode where it's not just you're trying to get them to have behavior modification, right, but you're trying right. to you're trying to as they become believers live out what it means to walk in the spirit, the spirit filled life. That's right. And so you're giving them biblical theology you're giving them apologetics you're giving them all these things so that they can know what the right thing is to do and they don't just do it because oh it's it's morally right, right yeah but they do it because it's what god has called them to and yeah. so i think that's important and I, I think the hardest conversations that often parents have and um i've helped lots of parents through this is, is when a kid says they're not a christian anymore and they've fallen into yeah. um, homosexuality or our gender issues, and, and, and that's really hard. And um, I would say for parents in that position, 
continue to have an open relationship with your kids. Continue to talk to them. Mm -hmm. Stand firm in your ground, but just love your kids as best as you can. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Last question here. How should we talk to our teenagers about the importance of abstinence? You know, True Love Weights was around when I was a teenager, mm -hmm. and it has taken an enormous hit with, in, with a lot of people looking back and seeing some of the, the, uh, the, the terrible things or whatever they perceived. I had a good experience mm -hmm. with it, and I know others did as well. Um, I think abstinence is important, and I know you guys do too, but how do we talk to our teenagers about this, especially with, with the, quote, abstinence culture having such a bad rap nowadays? Yeah, I think you, it's important to have that conversation. You know, sex is related to marriage. and, and I, But I think the more important thing to talk about with Gen Z isn't necessarily the act of sex, because I think kids in this generation are generally sex-averse. But there are certain substitutes that they engage in, mm. which is a substitute for sexual activity, uh, whether it be uh, sexting, which we've talked a lot about, but mm -hmm. it's highly prevalent. But then also have a conversation about oral section. Mm. You know, that may be it, or or uh, manual stimulation, things like that, that may be more awkward conversations. But, but they may. So, so you're saying they may not be engaging in the actual act of sex, but other things that are sex adjacent sex adjacent yeah. but you know really it it's important to qualify those things that mm -hmm. that is sex that's yeah. some stuff right, that's reserved right, right. for husband and wife in marriage and it is good i mean oral sex is is good um other uh, sex acts and foreplay are are good but within the context of marriage and mm -hmm. it's good to tell your kids um it, if you're engaging in this activity, it's the same as the sex act, mm -hmm. right? And it's not mm -hmm. a differentiation. You're, it's you, like, not, not like sex light or sex. Well, and that's where and that's where culture would would have all of these sort of like compartments and and well, right, you, right, you've done right. this, but you've not gone exactly. you've got all the way. Yeah. You know, you're still a virgin because you've not gone all the exactly. way. Exactly. Yeah, because yeah. you're you, yeah. yeah, you're like you're acting like a married couple, you know. Yeah. And it's like when you and that's even like in dating, just in general, like when you act like a married a full on married couple, but you're not married. You're that you're basically acting outside of reality. And that, that becomes dangerous in just for anything in the world. And so I think that's, that's a good point. And I, I love that you've drawn that out because, you know, I think like for us, like, you know, just having sex was just kind of like the norm growing up, you know, but nowadays it's not that it's, it's like things way before that it's before people are even getting, physically close to each other they they're already doing sexual things and so we have to help them understand that all of that is reserved for husband and wife mm -hmm. and when you do stuff outside of that you're not just doing something wrong you're doing something something self-destructive mm -hmm. ultimately this is self-destruction and that's what that's what the enemy wants yeah and I, yeah i think on that line i think an interesting conversation for dads to have with boys is you know, the number of boys that have viewed pornography is just, it's its near 100%. I mean, right, it's right. crazy. You used to say that the age was um, fifth grade was the earliest. Early I don't know. Stage. It may be younger It may be younger than that now. And I think really what is messing up a lot of marriages in the 20s now is yep. that we're growing up a, lot, a generation of boys that are growing into men that mm. think what they Dude, viewed yeah. on TV is what it's going to be sex. like in the bedroom. Yeah. yeah. And it turns out to be not. Uh, and the frequency is a particular issue. Well, yeah. And then um, there's all sorts of marital problems as a there result. There was an interesting movie, and I, I've not seen the movie, but I read about it. I read an article, and it had Joseph Gordon-Levitt in it. 
where he was obsessed with pornography mm-hmm. and his girlfriend was obsessed with romance, mm-hmm. the romance films, and how that caused so many problems oh. in their relationship because yeah. he was thinking our relationship needs to be this way sexually and she wanted their relationship to be this way romantically and neither could, could come obtain could obtain it in their relationship. Wow. Now, I don't remember what the movie's called and I probably it's probably not a good movie for people to watch, but I, I read about it and I thought, wow, this is such an interesting view of culture because this is what we're seeing where yeah. men are not satisfied in the marriage bed because it's not this wild and crazy pornography thing that they're seeing and some women are not satisfied because it's not a romance film it's not it's right. not what we're viewing on tv as something their idealistic um marriage of 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 what it should be and yeah. you know eventually because of porn sex turns into a toxic thing in marriage that mm-hmm. men's view of marriage is or, or sex within marriage is what they've seen in pornography but then women go to pornography not because they like it but because they want to figure out what does my husband want yeah and the the bedroom gets all sorts of messed up and it's all the root causes right. because kids viewing pornography when they were teenagers wow man this is this is a lot there's a lot with teenagers and i think here's the thing parents it can be scary yeah uh but we have to be equal to the challenge here because there are um that there are some some really important consequences, and we have to be uh, disciplers, guardians of our children at this age, even though they may feel like they're adults, they are not. And so we have to uh, really press into these things. What I what I love about this is you know this is daunting, and it can you know parent if you're all the way here with us, you might be feeling a little overwhelmed. Um, what I hope you will feel is not overwhelmed, but there is, there is a, a, a possibility and a reality and a hope uh, for all of us mm-hmm. to have um, healthy marriages and healthy sexual lives, mm-hmm. health and good. You know, we can glorify the Lord in our sexuality, and we can find joy in that. Mm-hmm. There is a real way forward, and you can take this path forward with your kids, no matter what age range they're in. All you have to do is take the responsibility you've been given, cry out for help all the time to the Lord and to those other faithful Christians around you, and and be faithful and and watch the Lord do things. And you might there might be hardships and trials and your kids might not do everything you want them to do but but yeah. it will be better than than it could be if if we don't do anything yeah. i would encourage parents to to really pray that's the first step you know begin to look at scriptures read read these these scriptures um with your children that that deal with some of these topics and find these really good resources you know one of the books that we've used with our children is the wonderful way babies are made by Larry Christensen. And that actually can be, it's a book that can, has, um, it's for any age. You just stop reading at a certain point and yeah. it, can, it can talk about what little children need to know as they get older and then kind of go off through the whole process of, of, uh, gender and, and sex and things like that. So, yep. and you've shared some good resources with this one. You got you some share? other ones, right? Yeah. I also have, um, I mentioned a couple things also, um, more than just the talk by Kevin Lehman, um, Becoming your kid's go-to person to, to talk about sex. That's a, a good uh, good Christian book. Another book that I'll reference that um, is not a Christian book, but it's just a helpful book. If you're raising teenagers, there's a book called iGen, 
by Gene Twinge, PhD. It's uh, the subtitle is "Why Today's Super Connected Kids Are Growing Up More Rebellious." Uh, more tolerant, less happy, and completely unprepared for adulthood and what that means for the rest of us. That sounds like a really good book. Yeah, it's a really good book. And so this is a good book for understanding the, the next generation coming up. Well, we'll list all those resources in the show notes. So there is, there's lots of good help out there. There's resources. There's people you can talk to. Any one of us, reach out to us. Like Brian said, don't, don't feel overwhelmed by this conversation. Um, you know, let you know, feel led by the Lord to, to disciple your children. You know, we're called to disciple our children in all ways. Right. I see this as part of, of that, as part of their discipleship, helping them to, to know and to navigate the topics surrounding sex. Yeah. Well, this was a huge topic, and, you know, we took some time talking about it, and I'm really glad we did because, you know, I think parents, I hope that you will you will um, be benefited by this conversation. Matt, I know I'm so glad that you were on here, um, and, and so thank you again for joining us and being here with us. And um, those of you who live in Evansville, you know, Brian and Brian, we're at Oak Hill Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. Matt's at Northwoods, um, and our churches love each other, and we want to minister to Evansville. Yeah. And so we're and you here. Guys, you guys have a podcast as well. Yeah, Northwoods Church matters go check it out we talk about different theology topics and uh parenting issues counseling issues and so we're uh we're doing a series on worship now we're doing a system systematic theology series right now and so we're doing a bunch of different things yeah so check out their podcast northwood church northwoods church matters absolutely nice and if if anybody's listening to this and you feel like you need counseling yeah um you know they there's resources at oak hill there's resources at northwoods Mm -hmm. And uh, we're soundly biblical in counseling. And yeah, so, we're not territorial. People just need to get the help they need absolutely. To, to walk yeah. with the Lord. No, we are territorial. Evansville. <laughs> oh, we're, all of us, both of us, Evansville, yeah. we want to minister to yeah. here, there, and That's everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I know what you that. mean, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for being our guest today. We thank really you. appreciate it. And yeah, Brian? No, nah, man, this was great. Thank you all for, thank you guys for your insight and wisdom. I'm, I'm still learning from you guys. So, yeah. all right. Thank you all for listening. We'll, we'll see, see you next, next time. Brian, a podcast of Oak Hill Baptist Church. On today's episode, we're doing a hard things series, part five, sex. So you said hard things. Oh, series. hard talks. <laughs> <laughs> hard talks. There is a slip there. Freudian slip. Hard, <laughs> hard talks. Okay. All right. Okay. That was I'll innovation. That was. Uh, I'll do that again. Hard talks. Unfortunate. <laughs> hard talks, part five.